Welcome, listeners, to our first official episode of the Lead Well Podcast. I am Brandon Holland. I'm your host, BW Holland32, on most social media outlets. Um, the Lead Well Podcast is a podcast for leaders by leaders. And this is the first official episode. Um, thanks for tuning in with us. Um, if you want to go back, there is a brief introduction about the purpose of this podcast, uh, the episode before this one. But this is our first official episode, and today um, we're going to be talking about culture and creativity and some generational differences uh, in the workplace today. Um, and I have with us today a very special guest, uh, someone's very special to me, uh, none other than Mr. Zach Bean um, here in beautiful Ashboro, North Carolina. Um, we, uh, Zach and I have known each other since about 2009. Is that right? That's, that's about right, back in uh, the Boone days. Yeah. Um, Zach and I went to college together. Uh, we lived together for a little bit before we both graduated. Uh, and we have been playing music together for a very long time. That's right. Um, one thing that's really, really cool about Zach and one thing that has helped me uh, grow and learn is when you're on a team with Zach, he's always a person who's going to make sure that um, he's pushing you to, to give your absolute best. Um, and so, Zach, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being the first guest. Thanks yeah, man. for being here with us. Excited for you. Excited and honored to be the first guy um, out here doing this with you. I'm excited for the Lead Well podcast and what it brings to listeners and to to share a little bit, but also just to talk and, uh, with a good friend now for 10 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting, man. Um, okay. So to our listeners, um, we are, the format that we're going to use is Zach is going to give a little bit of his background and sort of, uh, let you know how he got to where he is today. And from there we'll, we'll jump into the, the meat of the conversation. So Zach, uh, let our listeners know who you are. Yeah, we'll let it rip, man. I am a I'm a hometown, small town America kid who born and raised in the town Ashburn, North Carolina. Um, went to high school here, grew up here, came back after college. Uh, go Nears, Appalachian State University, where I majored in risk management and insurance, and graduated. And I've been in insurance now for I'm working on my tenth year, which is kind of hard to Dude, believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to think that we are uh, that old, if you will, now. And Boone seems like a distant memory at this point, but great times. Um, I went to school for risk management and insurance. I originally thought I wanted to be a doctor. And um, I, I made that decision to go into business because I figured out that I loved problem solving more okay. than, than medicine was really what fueled it. And uh, I didn't want to waste eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years in school yeah. either, which is a huge commitment. And Shout out to those people. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to those people right now, what they're dealing with with the COVID nineteen going on. But man, um, I, I just didn't have that calling into to medicine more than I did to maybe business. I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do, but insurance sounded cool, so I just went for it. Um, I've been in insurance ever since, and like I said, it it's problem solving. That's yeah. what I really love. I like people a lot. There was some fear about getting too attached to to patients and things of that nature. So graduated, been in insurance ever since. Uh, I am married uh, for almost uh, four years now. Um, 
to my wife, Joni Beth. We live here in Asheboro. I work for, uh, I tell people it's like the old days of Facebook. It's complicated right now. Yeah, you know, the okay. relationship status. It's complicated <laughs> what I do for a living. The reason why is we're, we're in the middle of a big merger. So, But I my official title is Chief Operations Officer for Insurance Associates of the Triad. And we're in the middle of a merger. I've been with Nationwide Insurance. Everybody knows the jingle. Nationwide is on. Yeah, we yeah, all know right. that, right? So I've been there uh, for now seven years of my career in July. But on a daily basis, what do I do? I, I manage an insurance agency. That's right. what I do. Um, whether that's your basic forms of insurance, auto, home, to employee benefits, to commercial and business insurance. We really do it all. We've got about 28 team members here wow. um, that, that I manage most of, of that staff, except for a couple of the owners as well. So okay. that's what professional <clears throat> life is like for me. What's personal life like for me? I'm a lover of, of cultural um, workplace culture, just okay. anything that develops a culture and a heartbeat with a purpose. I love creativity. You said we're going to talk about that. I do. I, I have a craving for thinking about things creatively. I love music. We've been playing music for a long time. Um, I love music. I love golf. I love sports. Sports are fun for me. Um, problem solving. I love that as well. Yeah. Um, I love a good word too. Um, a little bit of a book nerd when it comes to that and uh, stay in the gym just like you and um, love to take care of myself and things of that nature. That's who I am for, for listeners that are listening and want to get a picture of what I'm like. I probably sound like I'm a lot bigger guy than I'm making myself out to be. <laughs> I'm a tiny little guy. But I, I love I love all of those things. I love all of those things. When I, when I take a look at myself on paper, that's, that, that's who I am. Um, when it comes down to that. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, you know, I guess what you do now um, really fits your personality and who I've, you know, come to know you to be. Sure. Um, and especially having that passion for people and wanting to yeah. see them grow and um, wanting to see them perform their best. Yeah, um, yeah. And as you know, as leaders, the, one of the bigger parts of that is, you know, the, the culture that, that we create and that we have an impact on. Um, and so I'm interested and I'm sure our listeners are, is, um, your, I guess your approach and your outlook on, um, organizational culture and some of the things that you've done to, to make the culture here what it is. Sure. I want to take a second to say like, I guess that fever for culture started when I was probably 22 years old. I was I was working for a different employer. It was my first employer, and I ran across a book. And this book, we've talked about it many times, is Gallup Strengths Finder, and it has a, a test that talks about your 34 naturally occurring strengths or talents, and it will lend you out those in order after you take the assessment, if you will. And that was just really cool to me because it felt like I was almost diagnosed, but not with limitations. It felt like it opened doors for me. It felt like I could look at myself and say, this is the best of what you have to offer to the world. And it's okay that you have some less popular strengths. Okay. But if you lead with your strengths, you can give to the world. So I think that's where the fire got started for culture. So my approach is strength first. 
awareness of our weakness. I do not subscribe to the fix your weaknesses culture. That was getting ready to be my yeah. question. Yeah, okay. I do not subscribe to that. I certainly listen to that theory or perspective, but it's not for me. I think it's not address your weaknesses, but be aware of them. Okay. When you start to spin out of control, you become a better individual because you know how to treat those. Again, problem solving. I love that. You know how to fix those. You know how to address those things. So for me, when I think about workplace culture, it is pulling the best out of every single person. That's it. That That's as much as you can encapsulate in workplace culture. If you reduced it down to a simple short statement, it is simply getting the best out of everyone. Their best self for the best everybody else. Everybody benefits from that. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's really, uh, to me, where my philosophy was birthed on, on culture um, when you look at it that way. It's strengths-based. We lead with the best of what we have so we can give the best to those around us. Okay. So I guess, um, and this, this may be a little bit of a difficult question, but it just came to me. Um, when you see ex-employee, um, how do you how do you figure out what that person's strengths are so that you can lean more into those? Sure, I'm really lucky. One of my my top five strengths is called individualization, and I do have a little bit of an obsession for the uniqueness in everybody around me. Okay, I love the way the book describes it. It says all generalizations are false, especially this one. So it's kind of funny how they define it, but I am. I'm obsessed with the uniqueness of everybody around me. It's very, everybody is unique to me. And when I look at an employee, I try to find out what their unique giftedness is. Okay. You know, I, I love what I heard at Catalyst in Atlanta a few months ago. I was listening to Andy Stanley, and he mentioned something that has stuck with me. And he says, focus on your giftedness. Find like that. your routine and f- give yourself permission to stay there. And I think that's how I look at each individual employee, but culture as a whole. Let's find them. Let's weed out the bad, right? And know that it's, hey, it's okay that you're bad. We're going to equip you with things to handle the bad. We're going to automate some processes, or we're going to buy tools or technology, or we're going to pass or audible or have somebody else to counterbalance you out. And it's okay to be not good at something. But then that that kind of frees them. There's where the creativity piece and the purposeful piece comes in. That frees them of any, like, bondage they may feel to I'm just a this or I never could be this because I'm this or my weakness is too big and this this hole is too big and this pit is too much to feel and I think we have to almost create a peace with that you know create and foster a sense of peace towards people like hey I like me I'm not a flexible dude I am no good at it I'm horrible at it (laughs) I'm horrible with last minute changes I'm such a planner, you know, vision, look, long term. So when somebody smacks me with something that changes my day, it it's almost like an irritating frustration to right. me just because of the way that God made me, yeah. you know, that's just how I am. And it's hard for me. 
But when I look at each individual employee, I try to find out, well, what are they good at? For me, that's vision and future. For another employee, Bob, it may be that this person's an incredible communicator. Well, you know what he needs to do? He needs to communicate more, you wow. know, or somebody else. We, we dig for that giftedness and we focus on it and we give them permission to stay there. You know, a lot of people retract because they look for permission. Right. Absolutely. But we, we, we push people to, I love the way Simon Sinek said it, you're allowed to, dot, dot, dot. There's no, there's no word there. That's a blank. You know, you're allowed to make the best decision for yourself, for the organization, for your future, for the business's future, for your teammates' future, for our collective future. That's the way I approach it with each individual employee is a constant pouring in to the best of them. That's really good. Um, so have you found, um, that, um, you know, people are, that you're having a, having an impact on, on, on people's growth? Like how, how do you feel like you've impacted their, their growth by allowing them to, to do that? Yeah. Great question. It, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to measure sometimes. Um, and, and I think, you know, while I certainly would love to believe that I have an impact on people, I think when, when I see it the most is after we, we dig into these strengths or talents with people that I wrote down something here that I reference when I, I talk to certain groups or share with certain groups that empowerment and encouragement are the fuel for development. So when I see them, you can almost see, I, I was on a call yesterday with an employee and you, you could feel the growth happening on the phone call. Of course, we're all Zoom calling right now, right. so it's not like face-to-face anymore, but you you could see and feel and watch the growth happening live, if you yeah. will. And see those breakthrough moments. You can. You can see the light bulb going off or whatever colloquial saying we like to plug in there. Yeah. But you can see it, and I think that's what's so rewarding about leading well and what you've you know centered around these podcasts and everything with the intent of the empowerment encouragement there is no better fuel that's it that is the fuel um i read a book here recently and they were talking about we call them words of life because i think as humans we just crave affirmation yeah as a whole and when you can affirm not only the job somebody does but the person behind the person doing the job you know, the person on the inside of that, I find that that is massive and really fuels people. It gives people some value. And that's what we're all after yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, did I, a hundred percent agree. Um, and you know, as far as, you know, creating those types of environments and having the flexibility as leaders to, to do things that help others succeed and help them, you know, allow us to cater to their strengths so we can get the best out of them. I think it's one of the, one of the most important things is, you know, as far as developing your team and making sure that your team is capable and then, you know, having people in the right position and, you know, making sure we're assigning the right tasks to the right, to the right folks. Yeah. That that's so important too. And I think that's where, uh, the practical side comes in is you do have to have the right person in the right seat. Yeah. If you've ever read Good to Great, 
the book is relentless in its delivery of first who, then what. First get the right people on the bus. Yeah. And then we can go from there. And that's such an important step because I think it allows your creativity to flourish. When okay. you've got the right combination of people, then your creativity doesn't have to feel forced. It just ebbs and flows. Cool. It doesn't mean it's just going to happen just because you made a good hire. Or right. You, you poured something into somebody one time. But I do think that there is some secret sauce there, if you will, to yeah. that. Um, no different than, you know, we're all quarantined at home and hopefully you're watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan right Absolutely. now. And it's amazing, Michael and Pippen. And then they, they, they've been talking about bringing Dennis Rodman in and yeah. what he brought to it. There is, it allowed some creativity to happen. It allowed the greatest pr- player in the world to not have to score the most points and still be the greatest. One of my favorite quotes from from that uh, that one of the Dennis Rodman episodes was, "You don't put a saddle on a Mustang." Yes, you how gotta about let that? Him run, right? man. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> let them run. And I think that right there, that's creativity. Yeah, that's all I, it is. I think yeah. that's creativity on and the freedom. part of yeah of Phil Jackson to be able to uh, second point that I wrote down from my talk. Oftentimes we mention two things. This is I think my, if I had a recipe book, it would be this simple. Two ingredients or two steps, if you will. Open mind, willing heart. That's yeah. it. Phil Jackson had an open mind and he had a willing heart to be able to let Dennis Rodman walk away from the team. He was a questionable figure, mm-hmm. um, maybe in some of his antics and the way he carried himself. But boy, when you pressed into the best of yourself, if you gave him the best of you, look what he gave right back the best of himself 100%. to the team. And it took an open mind and a willing heart. And we find this is not only true just from employee to employee, from generation to generation. Yeah. I think that's so huge. Is um, so much in the news over the last 10, 15 years about millennials, 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 millennials. Right. And for which I, I do mostly identify and um, see myself as a millennial. Yeah. Born in 88. So right there within that. And now we're coming into Gen Z and then the prior generation of Gen X, you're looking at it and going like, oh, how do they work? And it's so different and that, you know, they're older. Well, in our organization right now, why I say it's complicated is this. The average age on the team that I manage currently, well, before this merger, I should say, was 38, 39 years old. Okay. The merging partner that we have 58, 59. So yeah, a whole generation in between. Yeah. A whole yeah. generation in between. Um, you know, that has educated me in so many ways, but I think the conclusion is all the same. Open mind, willing heart. If you've got those two things, you give those two things, and you get those reciprocated from your employees, creativity will flourish. Yeah. We're not always going to get along. We're not always going to agree. But open-mindedness and a willing heart solves most problems is what I find. We go back to Dennis Rodman and we go into the workplace. It's those things. Willingness to embrace and let somebody be themselves. You know, let them be authentic. You know, not don't confuse that with give them everything that they want. Right. That's totally different. That breeds entitlement. You know, and that's that's not what we're after. If we're leading well, 
we're encouraging people to embrace the best of what somebody has to give, their giftedness, right? right. Be yeah. open-minded to their giftedness. Be respectful to it. Have a willing heart towards their giftedness. I'm horrible at flexibility, but somebody else, that may be their, their best attribute. We have a couple of team members who, ironically enough, have my very lowest strength as their number one. You know, we have some others with it in their top five. So I'm luckily, fortunately, I'm surrounded by some people that are way more capable than I am. Yeah. And my aim to cultivating good or to building good culture and to cultivating creativity within the workplace is have an open mind and a willing heart, whether it's across generations or just laterally up, down, anywhere in the organization. That's usually what I try to accomplish, if you will. Okay. Um, one other thing that, um, that I wanted to, to touch on and you and I've had this conversation several times, sure. um, but I was at a workshop, um, uh, probably, I think it was about a year ago and it was a workshop on organizational change Yeah. and, you know, talking about generational differences and talking about creativity, um, and, you know, having to work with different age groups and having different you know, several different generations in the same workforce and on the same teams now. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that the instructor for the course said and it really frustrated me was it was almost like he was blaming the lack of change on the employees. Mm. And interesting. I mean, I, I, and to be completely honest, I got up and left um, wow. a, a little while into it because it's I think it's unfair when leaders don't look at themselves as far as change. And so, you know, we were sitting around a table and several of us were talking and, you know, some folks were asking to me, like, you know, how, how difficult is it for you to have, have change at work? And my answer was, it's not right. Like we're, we're the problem. Right. Like a a lot of times the leader has to be the, the thermostat that sets the temperature. Great point. Um, and you know, you and I have talked a little bit and I'd like for us to elaborate for our listeners a little sure. bit on, you know, some organizational change and, yeah. um, Craig Rochelle had some, had some quotes that, that we leaned into when yeah, we've had we were having those conversations. Many times. Yeah. We've had conversations about change many times and I, many times before. And I think the way you have to approach change is look no further than just around you at information. Information is changing at the most rapid rate we've ever seen. I saw something on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago that said all the information created in the world, or it's like 95%, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm not going to get it right, but will be basically, it will turn over and be completely erased in two years. So everything that we know is moving so quickly that in two years we'll erase 95% of it. Wow. Holy cow. If you're not ready to change, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. And the timeline for getting left behind is pretty pressing. Two years? Wow. To think about how much could change in just two years. Think about where you were two years ago and then two years before that. Right. My goodness. So the way I look at change is I think it can be binding to people, and I, I try to respect that. Because you're right, you shouldn't shift that as blame on people. Right. I think that's harmful to employee engagement and enrichment and growth. But I think what you have to do is you have to preach tolerance of change. You know, we have to be tolerant of change. Yeah. We have to because we've all heard the most dangerous words in the workplace. 
this is the way we've always done it, or we've always done it way, or we've never done it that way before, so why should we do it now? Those are definitely, um, you know, like leeches. Those phrases are leeches. Yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna drain you. They're going to pull you down. And I think uh, that's so funny that you made ask this question because it is the third point in, in the talk that I often aim at is my encouragement with generations above you or if you're an oral person with my generation or the next generation that's coming out, patient with process. Those two P's have to coincide. You have to be patient with processes because like you're going to break them. You're going to have the old ones that worked for a long time, and you're going to have to break them, or you're going to have to untie them and retie them. Some you're just going to have to get a new rope for. Right. You know, and then <clears throat> some people, the, the challenges some other generations face are not ours to bear, right? So that's why True. you can't push and point that change, I think. You know, it's asking them to write the check for what another generation may or may not have done. That's just not the way to advocate for your your people. Yeah. I think the way to advocate for it is patience, you know, and be, as a leader, willing to step out into the dark, willing to be the first guy that when it gets loud to, you know, I would say strike your lighter and light up the room, but I guess we all turn our cell phone lights on anymore. <laughs> yeah. Be the one to turn on the light. Be the one to go, hey, it's okay. Let's embrace patience first. You know, because let's face it, change is hard. Change change is brutal for a lot of people. Because as humans, I think we almost grow up being preached, find yourself something and stick with it. Yeah. And stick with it and stick with it. Well, what happens when our sticker isn't so sticky anymore, right? There we go. What happens when it's being replaced every two years? Yeah. So in 10 years, is that number going to be one year that it's replaced? We better get good at changing, you know, or it's going to eat us. Yeah. You know, and I think you, you don't have to be on the cutting edge of everything. I think there's a place for that. You know, oftentimes it's in technology. But I think when it comes just to the people element is to be upright with them and preach patience. That simple. Patience with their processes. With your young employees who are new, you know, be patient. Be yeah. patient with them. Be diligent. Create urgency. Get behind them. Push, you know, push them for excellence. Help them strive for excellence. But just know that somebody was probably patient with you one day, too. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we all um, have to go through, you know, processes in order to grow, in order to change things. And, you know, one of the, one of the quotes that, that sticks out to me, um, and I think you're the one that told me this, was that um, I believe it's a Craig Rochelle quote that says people change for two reasons, when they want to and when they have to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you and I had the conversation about, you know, people, you know, they change their clothes and their cars and their cell phones and stuff like all the time. Yeah. But it's other things that they may not want to change right. that sort of, you know, create some yeah. barriers and makes it a little bit more Everybody's difficult. motivated by something. And that goes, that we're back to the top of the conversation. There. Yeah. You know, digging for what people are motivated by. If we're pushing for change and pushing for performance, all we'll have at the end of the day is a big stack of effort and numbers. You know, whether it's sweat equity or maybe it's not to say that you can't succeed, but imagine what you could do if you could bring out the best in people. Yeah. 
you wouldn't have a pile of sweat equity and numbers. You would have a lucrative team capable of ebbing and flowing, switching when there is a pandemic, switching when there's a recession, pivoting when hard times strike, knowing that they're using their strengths to get through hard times instead of feeling the burden of hard times as, oh, just more change again. I think that's what's so huge and that that's all part of the creative process to me. You know, I I listened to Stephen Furtick and Craig Groeschel talk about this on one of my favorite guest episodes on Craig Groeschel's podcast and they mentioned this that Stephen Furtick said this because yeah, Elevation Church is, is a monster movement and they're so creative and it seems like their creative juices never stop flowing. They don't have an off switch (laughs) and it's almost like, wow, man, that's how do you keep up with that level of creativity that God has blessed them with clearly. But what he said is what we find is creativity is more like mining for gold than waiting on the rain to come. And I think that's so profound because what looks like to us is like, man, they're just so blessed and gifted and it just pours out. They must have the most dynamic team and they must No, He stepped right up to the microphone and said, yeah, when it gets really tough, we keep swinging. Yeah. Or we, we find ways to change or we pick up a different pick and try to mine through in the caves until we strike gold. So it's that, it is that hard work and sweat equity that they continue to pour into it. Yeah. So I, I love that. That is almost a daily source of motivation for me that I work back in with my team. When you talk about change is, hey, in order for us to conquer this, we're going to have to get creative. And creativity is and can be tiring. Oh, yeah. But that's where the reward is. You know, right. That's where the fruit is if you're going to see it. It's not just going to come to you one day. You know, We all get lucky you know, every once in a while and a breakthrough will happen. Oh, absolutely. Penicillin, right? Accidentally discovered, right? But at the same time, when you are willing to fight when it gets a little tough, when you're willing to um, keep mining, you're going to find the gold. And I thought that was so profound from him and something that I try really hard to apply with my team, you know, to keep them on their toes even, you know? To keep them on their toes, to show them more than their, that they are more than the daily transactions that they're just merely processing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That in the digital age that we're in, everything's processing. Yeah. There's processing and data and Amazon Prime orders and Facebook posts and Instagram pictures, likes, clicks, and everything else all day. There's enough processing going on in the world. Yeah. And I think for creativity, we need to put purpose before process. I think that really, for me, is what it is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you do all these things, and they're good boxes, and they need to be checked, and they have a great outcome. But you, the person, is more than just a set of boxes to be checked in a day. Yeah. That, for me, we're, again, back at the top of the conversation. Like, how do we get inside of people, lead people through change, create good culture, exercise creativity, give them purpose to show them what they're doing is more than just boxes. Right. You know, as a human being on this planet. And, you know, I heard something recently. It said, you know, contrary to popular belief, 
people now entering into the workforce are chasing passion than chasing dollars. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people would much rather be doing something that they're passionate about in it a great environment. It does seem to be quite a movement surrounding yeah. that, you know, and that's way beyond me and, and my thinking, you know, and my small brain for something like that. But I do try to decipher a lot of that. And I don't know if it's a an American issue or a global issue, but, you know, that is nice to see. Yeah. And it, it is a hopeful message that we're picking things of purpose, or purpose or of passion that fuel us. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not just, we need 80 of these today, stat, but if you could get it to me before lunch, even better. Instead of just picking this mass production style right. mentality. Uh, and I'm not picking on manufacturing when saying that. It's just like, no, we, we can't manufacture an outcome. You know, I think yeah. that's kind of the opposite of passion, right? It's not a manufactured outcome. It's an authentic you know, participation in something. Yeah. So I, I think that that purpose has to rank in front of everything, really. Yeah. At the end of the day, everything. It's not one, two, three. It's like purpose, and then we can start the list. Yeah, I like that, dude. Um, so one thing that I that I always like to do is um, let's look at, at, you know, everything that we just had a conversation about. Sure. Um, and you are in a waiting room or a lobby with somebody and you've got a really short period of time and they say, Hey, um, I want to, you know, be better or be, you know, really successful at enhancing my organizational culture. Um, what do you tell that person? We've got just a short period of time and sort of your waiting room speech for that person to kind of get them going. Wow. Uh, good question. Big, big questions. Kind of the airplane conversation, right? Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's such a good, good question. You know, when I'm looking at them, I'm going to get them to be like, well, tell me what it's like right now. Where are you today? If you don't know where you are, you can't figure out where you're going. You know, if you can't, you can't, you can't figure out where you're going if you can't measure it either. You got to be able to add some type of quantitative analysis to it. So just tell me where you're at. And then depending on that, well, maybe we'll zig or zag from there. But if I had to give like advice, no matter where you're at, is it starts with you. I love the John Maxwell saying, and I think somebody else told it to him, so I can't give credit to, to who it was from him, but I've heard him talk about this so many times. The beauty in your life is you do not have to accept it. You get to lead it. That for me is another daily sense of motivation. It's like, wow, my circumstance does not label me. Their culture is not circumstantial. They create it. You get to create that culture. You, you, you have the ability to change it, shift it, mold it into whatever you want it to be. So I think if I'm sitting there and they're like, hey, so how do I get better at organizational culture start with you right. start with you find the best of you and what you have to ooze out fill yourself up with it let it overflow into everybody else and then from there you don't have to accept it you can do anything you want to with it that's what's so fun to me that's yeah. creativity i'm a blank slate kind of guy i'd rather you hand me a blank piece of paper than any um, paper with lines on it or anything be like you can do anything you want to with this yeah you know, that's that kind of ties in with the 
John Maxwell uh, quote there that you get to lead it. You don't have to accept it. You get to lead it and shape it anything you want to. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Thanks awesome so much question. for sharing. Yeah. Um, did you have any other, anything else that you'd like to say for our listeners? No, that, that, that is it. That's, that's the biggest thing. I'm honored. Um, really tickled for you, tickled to be a part of this um, podcast. And I appreciate you asking me, humbled, honored, you know, that's really cool that you would come and ask me to share about culture and creativity and just problem solving and just ooze all the passion that I've got through a microphone. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for, um, being on. Um, and I'm sure that you and I will get together for our listeners, um, several more times. Yeah. I'd love um, to. We'll definitely keep that going. Um, and before we before we end, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you, how they can connect with you. Um, if somebody may have some organizational yeah culture questions or Absolutely. need some help with creativity how can they get in touch yeah, with the you? best way to find me is is on instagram i think and that that short handle is at zach z-a-c underscore bean b-e-a-n-e okay that's the easiest way to find me awesome well guys uh thanks for tuning in with us um for the first official episode of the lead well podcast um we will not charge for this we'll try not to run any ads we do have a small fee and that is if you got something of value. If you would just share this with somebody else that you think it might help. Um, and we will be back with you for another episode shortly. Thanks again. Y'all be good.